welcome to the Volva Diaries with host Dr. Amanda Selk, bringing you the 101 on vulvovaginal health. So hi everyone. Today we get to welcome back Dr. Melissa Mouskar, who's a dermatologist at UT Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas, Texas, and she's going to talk to us about some issues that can happen with vulvar hair removal. Hi, Dr. Mouskar. Hey, nice to talk with you again. I'm so glad you're back. That last one we did was a lot of fun. It was fun. (laughs) So there's so many different ways that people remove their hair. I think that shaving with classic razors is something a lot of people do, but we forget there's, you know, there are a lot of home techniques people can do. Clipping with electronic razors or scissors, plucking, waxing strips at home. Uh, But yeah, there's the home techniques, the office techniques, the different lasers, intense pulse light, waxing, electrolysis. What, What do you think your patients use most often? Um, I think a lot of people have access to shaving, but waxing is very popular in the city I live in. Yeah, I think most people here, I think, either shave or they go and get waxed. I feel like with COVID now, there's even people that come to your house. They have like mobile waxing vans with some very interesting names. But yeah, I thought, you know, I, we see a lot of side effects from shaving um, just with the razors. And so I thought we could maybe just chat about some of those side effects And then, you know, what we can do to prevent them and and educate our patients to prevent getting those things. Right. So what could happen when you're shaving? So there's a lot of different types of folliculitis. I feel like folliculitis is something we see everywhere on the body, inflammation of the hair follicles. So there's folliculitis that's infectious, so like bacterial or fungal. But the one that you actually get more often with shaving is irritant folliculitis or almost like a pseudo folliculitis from the hair shaft re-entering into the skin. On the face, we call that pseudofolliculitis barbae, uh, but I think just pseudofolliculitis in general is a term we can use for for the vulvar area. And is there a way to try to prevent that? Yeah, so there's lots of ways. So I think this commonly happens probably two or three days after you shave. And basically what happens is the hair follicle, like I said, kind of curves back in. So I guess one way that you want to think about this is we want to really talk to patients about how they're shaving. And first, you might just ask them how they're shaving, what are they doing to remove their hair, um, and see what they're doing, what kind of razor they're doing, if they're using any shaving cream or gel. But really, you know, the proper way of shaving, um, especially in this area, it's kind of hard to reach. There's a lot of crevices depending on where you go. But um, the first thing, you know, you want to have some warm water, either in the shower or bath, uh, and then... You don't want to pull the skin taut because that can actually induce more um, trauma. The razor that you use, you want to make sure that it's a sharp blade that you replace often. Um, And you do want to have some sort of lubrication. I actually like to use just conditioner. I feel like, you know, that aisle at that CVS aisle that we tell our patients not to go down, there's a lot of different shaving creams, gels, et cetera. And you can use those, of course, but some of them have fragrances in it too that can be irritating. So um, either a mild cleanser or conditioner or shaving gel. And then, um, like I said, don't pull the skin. And you want to shave with the grain. You don't want to shave against the grain. And then for patients that come in that get those little irritated bumps, you can actually give them either topical clindamycin lotion or a sodium sulfacetamide lotion to use as an anti-inflammatory aftershave. Uh, That's what I like to do. Do you have any tips? What do you like to do for your patients? 
that's one thing that doesn't come to me very often <laughs> so, because they can't wait a year or 18 months to come to my clinic with these problems. So, <laughs> yes, uh, I can totally understand that. So what about, do you think that ingrown hairs happen sometimes with the shaving? Yeah. So, so what's funny is that if you Google like ingrown hair, it is exactly what I just talked about. And I think like the formal name for ingrown hair is this like pseudofolliculitis. So when it basically like curves back in to the skin. Um, and so really, I feel like there, there's been a couple of studies on why women shave, how they shave or why they remove their hair. And actually, I don't know if um, you saw that. I'm sure you saw that paper. You see all these papers, but one of the most common reasons that our patients shave is to actually come to their, you know, gynecologist or dermatologist visit. I'm like, please don't do that for me. If you want to shave, shave. If you're, you know, if you want to wear a bikini and you need to get that bikini line so you don't have hair there with your bathing suit. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's often because patients don't shave often enough. And so if patients are shaving, you actually want to get them to shave on a regular basis so they don't get those ingrown hairs that can actually prevent it. So as you mentioned that, let's make this point. Can you think of any medical reasons that you tell somebody to take their hair off? Medical? Yeah, a medical reason. Because I can't. I just think people can have hair or no hair, and the gynecologist, we actually don't care. <laughs> like, it's not for us, right? Like, people people are like, did this for you. Same when they're having their babies, when they're going to get their pap, when they're going to see you, or for a partner or whatever. Like, it's not for us. It's a cultural thing. I don't know. It's like dyeing your hair or doing whatever. It's something some people feel they want to do, but it's nothing anybody has to do. <laughs> Yes. And I would say the one the one thing I can think of is there have been some interesting studies with hydratinitis suppurativa and hair removal and looking to see if, you know, you remove the hair or if you scar the area where the hair is, if that can prevent HS from happening. But that's really the only thing. And I think there's not a clear correlation yet with hair growth, but that would be something that I'm interested in, you know, knowing more about in the future. But other than that, no, can't think of a single reason. So for the most part, if you're a patient listening to this, yeah, these are not things that your doctors think you need to do. So what about, so we talked about a little bit about the shaving. What about with the creams? Yeah. So the creams, so the good thing is you don't get those ingrown hairs because basically they break down the disulfide bonds of the hair. So they become softer and they actually become um, a little curved when they grow out. So they don't, kind of grow back into the skin, but you can get a lot of irritation, irritant contact dermatitis, allergic contact dermatitis from the agents that kind of basically burn those hairs. So that can go away. Um, but you need to make sure that you use something. I mean, sometimes you can do a little layer of Vaseline before you put that on to protect your skin, but sometimes that also makes it not as effective. Sometimes patients can leave that on too long and that's when they get the burns from it, or the irritant contact derm or, or even the alkaline burn. But, you know, sometimes using a low dose topical steroid, like a 2.5 hydrocortisone ointment can help with that as well. Um, you can also get post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation anytime there's inflammation on the skin. So any redness, either from an individual hair shaft or the whole, you know, if you had some sort of irritation from that uh, depilatory that patients put there, any redness on the skin can sometimes fade to either darker color or lighter color. And that's not necessarily a scar, but it can take four to six months sometimes to get a little bit better. Um, one way to you know speed that along is just to um, do some sunscreen and make sure you protect that area from sun. 
And I bet a lot of people don't think about that. Not, not so much. Yeah. What about with the waxing? So waxing, kind of same thing. Um, I think that you can get a lot of irritation there. You can, again, get the hairs that kind of grow back into the skin. You can see some bacterial. I don't know if you ever had any like bacterial folliculitis after waxing or burns actually from the waxing. Have you seen any of that? Yeah. Sometimes people had burns from the heat. Yeah. Yeah. And so what do you do when you have them? I think really, I like just kind of cooling things down. I like to keep things simple. So say it's an acute burn, you can do the silver. um, Sulfasalazine. Yes, exactly. You can do that topically. It's a, a soothing cream. You can honestly, you could probably just do zinc oxide paste, really anything with zinc in it, zinc oxide, Vaseline, or just a petroleum jelly, you know, keep things simple. A lot of times it's um, needing to cool things down a little bit. A lot of people will use ice. Well, they use it for pain from a lot of different things, but you can actually get burnt, you know, just like you get hot wax burns, you can actually get some burns from ice as well. So yeah, the frostbite things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And some people think they get tired of doing this. So some women want to take their hair off, think it's a nuisance having to, you know, go to their waxing bar every X number of weeks or shaving at home or whatever it is, they're done. So they said, I don't want my hair anymore. I'm going to go get laser hair removal. Tell us what can happen there. Yeah. So in general, laser hair removal I actually, in my disclaimers, I don't do laser hair removal in our dermatology office, but I think in general, it's fairly safe if you go to someone who knows what they're doing. There's a lot of different lasers you can use to remove hair. You can also have these intense pulse light devices that can remove hair. The one thing that's really important for laser hair removal is that the target of the laser is a chromophore, and a lot of times it's pigment. And so a lot of these lasers will look at the difference between the pigment of the hair shaft and the pigment of the skin. And there are lasers that are safe to use and uh, Fitzpatrick type. Fitzpatrick type is basically if you burn or not. Um, it's a scoring system that came up a long time ago. But basically, you know, for darker color skin, uh, more pigment in the skin, you definitely need to make sure you go to someone that does laser hair removal in patients that have darker color skin. So I think that's really important because you can get burns if you go to someone that isn't using the proper laser and the proper device. So if the hair is gone forever and you can't get it back, can you think of any issues that may happen from that or not? Because sometimes people are really sweaty. Yeah. I mean, you'd think that hair is there for a reason, right? I mean, I, I mean, there's, there's a reason that we grow hair in certain spots. And so I think you know, and my thought is it kind of there to protect our vulvas and our vaginas from just things coming into contact with it, maybe little microbes or little um, something that that's trying to get there. So uh, yeah, I mean, if it's gone forever, who knows? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that some people will not have any problems whatsoever and they'll you know, throw their hands up whenever they want to go to the beach. They don't have to worry about their Brazilian bikinis that they're wearing, but uh, there's some really fashionable bathing suits with shorts now too. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen people, I have seen people that are like excessively sweaty. And so I don't know if it makes it worse. I wonder if the hair sort of also can absorb some of the moisture, you know, and that if I don't know, cause I, again, there's not study, but I just, sometimes I wonder. Yeah. You know, um, what do you do for, for people with hyperhidrosis? Gosh, this is a little off subject, but Sometimes people can actually use antiperspirants. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you have a lot more options. 
Yeah. What's interesting, there's actually some oral medications that can prevent um, sweating. There's also some topical ones that people can do that comes in little wipes. Um, they're prescription, but you can also do like Botox for hyperhidrosis too. But maybe that's another topic of conversation. <laughs> For our dermatologist friends. So I think those are cover a lot of things. Can you think of anything else you'd want to talk about with hair? Because I think we've covered quite a bit. We have. Um, no, I think that, you know, I think the big thing is spending that time educating, especially, oh, this is a good thing. A lot of times, so gynecologists, dermatologists, you might be doing, you know, a pap or looking at their vulva or doing their skin exam. And you notice one or two little red bumps in their vulva after they or, you know, on the hair around um, their vulva because they were trying to remove their hair for you, you may just bring this up to your patients because they might not want to bring it up to you because maybe they're too embarrassed. But if you give them some of these little tips and education on how to shave or how to remove their hair and maybe prevent some of those bumps, I think they'd be really happy. And I guess I usually, oh, I know one more thing for you. Can you think of patients, like some of the patients that we take care of with their inflammatory skin conditions, et cetera, is there anybody you'd ever tell not to engage in hair removal? please don't do this. It might irritate you. You know, a lot of lichen sclerosis is right on the cusp of where um, the labia majora are, and it's more in the inner labial sulcus and the labia minora. But there are several patients that their lichen sclerosis extends up to their inguinal crease to around their perianal skin and on their labia majora. So I'd say those, those patients, I probably... And in, in if you're seeing patients with extensive LS, um, sometimes extensive psoriasis or even really bad lichen simplex chronicus, if they're actively inflamed, I would tell them, hey, you know, until we get you under control, let's not worry about removing your hair right now until we get this kind of a little bit better. Right. And if you have really sensitive skin, you have a higher chance of reacting to things. Absolutely. I usually tell, you know, it's like most stuff involved that if you never have a problem and you always do something, fine. But if you're having issues, then, you know, then you can't do that. <laughs> or, you know, stop, wait, see, okay, we try again. You got a problem. It's not for you. Yeah, 100% agree with you. Well, that, I think that was great. Very practical advice. So thank you so much for talking to us today. Yeah, great. Thanks. So again, that's Dr. Melissa Mouskar, a dermatologist from UT Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas, Texas. 